You are listening to a Called Collective podcast where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. The Called Collective produces multiple podcasts, which, by the way, you can find in the description below. To learn more about the Called Collective, you can visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at the Called Collective. Stories. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Stories at Noon. And in case you guys didn't know, and you guys wouldn't know because I haven't told you yet, but we are now officially on video. So check that out at the Cold Collective YouTube channel. You can check that out. If you want to see my beautiful face, you can go for it. And of course, my beautiful guest's face. (laughs) And speaking of beautiful, I am joined by (laughs) someone whose face is like an angel of the Lord. Wow. Yes. Whoa. Maybe I'm paid to say that because I oh. I work here, but mm. and he is my boss. But I am joined by none other than my boss, the one that tells me what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. Mm. Tyler Sanders. Mm, it's good to be here. Tyler, how do you how do you feel right now? Oh, I'm on cloud nine. <laughs> especially since I was <laughs> compared to <laughs> face of the angel of the Lord. That's yeah, amazing. You may want to tell your wife that. I give better compliments than she does. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Just let her know that hey, oh. there's there's competition, so she needs to step it up. I'm just helping right. your, I'm just helping your marriage. That, That's all absolutely. I'm doing. Absolutely. Great job. Great looking out. Well, Tyler, I know you well. Mm. Um, and obviously many people know who you are. However, there are plenty of listeners that have absolutely no idea who you are. Yeah. And you actually are on a coffee and calling episode. That's right. So yes. if you have stumbled into this episode and you're like, man, who is this Tyler guy? You should check out the very first. Yeah. episode of season two of Coffee and Calling. Ooh, plug. Little little shameless plug there. Absolutely. Tyler, in case they don't like, you know, I have time for that. What is a little little background that I need to know? Yeah, so I uh, came to Indiana Wesleyan. I graduated from the Kern program, mm. which you are also in. I am also part of That's yes. crazy. Yeah, I know. It's shameless ex- plug. It's an accelerated ministry program where you get your undergrad and grad degree in five years. So in 2019, I graduated uh, from Indiana Wesleyan with my master's of practical theology. Mm. Then I went out to the beautiful, glorious state of Florida, where I became the executive pastor uh, down in the Florida district of the Wesleyan wow, Church. That's straight, right. Straight, fresh, straight oh, into executive pastor. Oh, that's right. So then right after right after I got down there, about a year in, COVID hit and everything oh, got turned kind of crazy upside down. hit the fan. That's right. So then long story short, came back to Indiana and now I work for the current program. Wow. And I'm the director of the Called Collective. You are. That's right. And guess what I am? I'm your assistant. <laughs> yes. And, yes. Uh, but all jokes aside, it's kind of like full circle. That That's you are right. Now, you were in Kern. Then you worked in the church. Mm-hmm. That happened. Yes. And then now you were back in charge of fellow Kearneys. Fellow is, Kearneys. Is that the right word we use? Kearneys. Okay. Uh, th- there was a long, there's a long debate among cohorts what the right one is. But I still Kearneys think is Kearneys. The- I think we should have a Kearneys award show. Ooh, I think I like, I like that idea. <laughs> that's a really good idea. And maybe we'll video that. I don't even, you know, you know, that's an idea, but yeah. you know, stay tuned. You know, there's, there's always more ideas. It'll be out. the second greatest award show right behind the Dundies. Uh, that's exactly, that's exactly what I was thinking. That's right. That's yes. exactly. Okay. That's actually crazy. <laughs> um, but speaking of great TV shows. Mm, yes. Your life is like a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> great segue. Yes. You're welcome. And I just want to know the stories that have happened and in your ministry. Yeah. And we always talk about good, bad, ugly, horror, funny Mm -hmm. stories. 
I've had I've had a wide expanse. There there's been some interesting stories, some funny stories, some really bad mistakes. Yes. Some interesting dynamics that you don't think about, but I have never heard this story, right? Yes, this is correct. And never so heard story. this is raw. This is raw. This is uncut. Here un- we go. I am ready to hear it. Tyler Sanders, please share your story with with everyone. All right. So while I was in college, um, I was a part of a church uh, uh, in Grant County where the beloved youth pastor who had been there for many years was leaving to go uh, be a youth pastor down in the Carolinas. So he, the beloved youth pastor with a fairly good-sized youth group was on his way out, and there was no plans from the church to bring anybody in. And I was a youth sponsor at this time. So I am involved basically taking on the mantle of the youth pastor to help run the youth group in the meantime mm. before they got a new youth pastor. Yikes. Spoiler alert. I became the youth pastor. <laughs> um, so uh, he leaves and it's right before the summer. So the youth group's kind of languishing, kind of trying to figure out what to do. Mm. We're trying to get kids to go to camp, all this stuff. So camp comes along and I lead the group of students from this church to go to camp. Oh, yes. Oh, boy. so we jump into camp and right away, it just is very clear to me that this is the most immature undisciplined, non-spiritual group of students I've ever seen in my entire (laughs) life, ranging from middle school to early high school. There were no seniors. There were no older kids to kind of help rein in the younger kids. It was prime BO. (laughs) That's bad. Yes. And the smell of feet. Oh God. I'll pray for you. Absolutely. So uh, at this particular camp, so it's Fairmount camp. And if you know anything about Fairmount camp, Fairmount camp, they don't have, they're famous for not having air conditioning and for the spirit of God to move powerfully. So at Fairmount camp, it's the first night, first message. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this message is incredible. Like mm. these students, they're going to be hungry for the Lord after this. And they were just, so, they didn't want anything to do with it. Oh goodness! They were talking through the whole message. They were talking through the whole service. They were joking the whole time. And then we had to break up into groups afterwards. And I'm like, hey, what did you guys, you know, get from this message? And crickets, nothing. And then they just wanted to joke during this time of breaking down spiritual things. And I'm just like, I'm angry. I'm like, goodness, that was incredible. The spirit of God is clearly moving here. What's wrong with you guys? And I, I just get upset with them. I just get really like bitter towards this group mm. of students. Wow. And I carry that in with me through the night into the next morning when the entire, all the leaders and the volunteers and counselors of the camp come together. We have a little meeting. So in that meeting, we bring up prayer requests. And I just, I just lay before this group. I'm like, I am beyond frustrated with this crew. Like they, they don't give a rip about Jesus. It seems. And you're like, this is the beginning of your yes. time with them. Like That's this right. is like your impression. Yes. Right. Okay. Yes. Well, so I had been there for a little bit before then, and I knew some of them well, but a lot of them I had not really gotten to know well, but the ones I did know, I expected a lot more mm. of. Mm. So I come into this meeting and I drop this on all these seasoned pastors and I got great advice and it just humbled me. Mm. One of the pastors looked me dead in the face and said, brother, you, you need to be on your knees praying for these students. And, and I, and in that moment, the frustration, the anger just kind of seemed misplaced and inappropriate. Mm. And the Lord just melted my heart and said, yes, I need to do that. Mm. So I, we go back into the tabernacle for the next 
uh, worship time, which is in the afternoon. And I'm just sitting in the back with all the students around, just praying for them. Just God, melt hearts, break through, speak to them so powerfully, so, so truly. That night, after the second service that was in the afternoon, that night, there was this call from the speaker to live a life deeper with Christ, Mm. to live a life that was not focused on self, but focused on growing in Christ, really seeking after Jesus. And the the speaker invited all the counselors to go all the way around, circle the tabernacle, and students were invited to go up to pray with a counselor to seek that and commit to that. This is the moment that just always, always, always breaks me down. Every single one of those students, no matter how immature when they started to how old they were, every single one of them came up to receive that commitment, Mm. to to commit to that. How many, into that. how many students would you like? Oh, Jesus, 15 to 20 at wow. least. Wow. The youth group usually ran 30, 35. So 15, 20 was a, was a, was a good amount. But all of them came up. Mm. All, and all of them came to me to pray. That's... Which was even more humbling. Wow. Because at the beginning of this camp, seeing all this, carrying that frustration and that anger into the night, just, God, why aren't these students moving why aren't they doing what they need to do why why and the lord when that pastor gave me that advice is like humble yourself and pray for them mm. pray for them intercede for them and it was clear as day that the lord moved in their hearts and the lord was moving in their hearts and preparing something mm. for them i just needed to be patient and wow. wait on the lord's timing so it was it was the most humbling cuz we always see in, in ministry, you always see people you want to be farther along. Like, God, why aren't these people like far? Moses, he complained all the time about the, <laughs> the stiff-necked people and, and all that. And it's, it's, it's good. But at the same time, how often was Moses interceding yeah. with that frustration to the Lord? That's so true. And how did that momentum like carry into, because you became the youth pastor. Yes. So the, the, the tragedy that happened is that while I did become the youth pastor and this was a clear catalyst moment, we couldn't carry the momentum Mm. because this camp happened in July and I got hired on in September. Oh, wow. So there were several weeks we didn't even meet because the planning just wasn't there. So July is the camp. Actually, it's probably June. Yeah. It was Fairmount camp happens really early in the summer. It's like one of the first, Two, three weeks. So then it was June. Yeah. So then I didn't get hired on until September. And I'm pretty sure we met once a month. Wow. Just be logistically. That's how it worked out. So in July and August we met, but we couldn't carry the momentum from camp into when I was the youth pastor. And me being the youth pastor there is a completely different story. But this this is a clear as day principle for any pastor who's coming into some type of group set, setting for the first time. You might come in after a beloved youth pastor. You might come in after a hated youth pastor. You might come in after a transitional youth pastor, or you might be starting the youth group altogether. In any of those scenarios, there has to be a catalyst type event that happens. Mm. Something that sparks these students with you that carry, that you can carry into starting something. Mm. So, and that was another lesson from that is that had we not waited those two months and had we launched into it right away, 
so much yeah. would have been different. What could have happened? You know what what I mean? could have happened? What could have happened? Because those 15, 20 students had this, had this image of you, you walked up a mountain with them. Mm. You got to this peak. Yep. And then you said, well, I, I guess I won't help you walk down. Right. Exactly. Because we can't live on the mountaintop. Yes. But yeah, any, any camp high can teach you that. Yes. Because there's going to come the valley and, the, and and those things. And they came, they went back home to their broken mm-hmm. homes mm-hmm. off that mountain. Yeah. And they said, what, what is going on? They weren't oh, given the yeah. tools to survive in those two months in their spiritual lives. And that, yeah, that breaks hearts. I mean, that Absolutely. should break our hearts. Absolutely. And I can, I can look back and I can see so many different lives from that camp that were transformed. There are three or four, maybe five right now that are studying to be pastors from that camp. Mm. And they can identify that that moment at camp was a moment that switched their lives. Wow. And so some of them did carry the momentum, but as a group, we didn't carry the momentum. Yeah. And that's hard. Cause it like it's very hard. Creating that atmosphere of culture is something that is so crucial to a youth group. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it seems to be different than like a, a adult congregation yeah. because an atmosphere or the culture of an adult congregation is kind of, it almost seems individualistic in yeah. most senses. Yeah. It's like you go with your family or your mm-hmm. friends and you leave. But as a youth group, all those lines seem to, just to fade. Yes. They become dotted lines that you can freely go across. Yes. It's like on the highway when there's like the dash mm-hmm. and you're just passing whenever the heck yep. you want, which is not always the best, <laughs> but the analogy, you know, that's how you drive in Oklahoma. Huh? Of course. Yeah. There, yeah. There's all stop signs. You're optional. Right. Yes. No cop, no stop. You know, it's just <laughs> all that. Yeah. It's tatted everywhere. And every, no, I'm just kidding. It's <laughs> that. But that's kind of like building that culture in youth. Yeah. Group. It is something that just from, from this story, from other stories, like learning how to do that. Yeah. But, I have another question that I think is challenging. How yeah. this, this, this first pastor was beloved, mm-hmm. right? And then he transitioned out, you transitioned in. You had this mountaintop yeah. experience, like things were going the right direction. Then you got hired mm-hmm. later, which that, that hurts. And there's a whole different question there. Yeah. But I want to ask, how do you build a youth group that's mm-hmm. not around a pastor? Yeah. Or a church not around a pastor? Yeah. Because my parents, other people's parents Older people are like, oh, I love the way that he or she preaches. Right. And I'm like, okay, but, yeah. and if they're gone, what happens? Right. Right. There's, that's why there's so much church hurt in some areas because they put their like pedestal on this pastor. Right. They fall apart. For example, yeah. Ravi Zacharias. Right. And you're just like, what do I do with the stuff he taught? Mm-hmm. What do I do with X, Y, or Z? Yeah. And so like, how do you, how do we build right. a culture, build a youth group, build a church that's not focused on us, but it reflects to the Lord? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think a big thing is culture and mission and vision. So all three of those different things. So if a youth group doesn't have a vision, if it doesn't have a mission and, and I'm not just talking about corny mission statements, right? Because every youth group's got their catchy slogan. So in my youth group, when I was growing up, it was no show. So it's K-N-O-S-H-O. So it's no show. (laughs) It's like the the snow cones, but it's S and O. Right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That's so it's no show and it means no Christ and show Christ. Okay. That's the mission, but that's just a slogan. Right. Right. How does the youth group live into that mission? It's more of like a brand. Yeah, exactly. It, it is. It's like a Nike, just do it. It is. And with just do it, right. That's the slogan. And they build everything around that. Do we build everything around what we believe mm. this group is here for? These students, when they come in week to week, are all is all we're doing, giving them their weekly scripture, giving them their mm. weekly meal, just trying to get them out of their 
messed up friend group, their toxic communities? Mm. Are we getting them out of that and setting them here for this short time just to send them back out? Or is this a transformational community? Is mm. this culture built to be transformational? So that's the one aspect is establish a good culture that can carry from student to student. Older students can pass to younger students. They buy in and they believe it. Have a clear mission and vision that you actually work toward. And the 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 other aspect of it is kind of logistical. It's don't, when your youth pastor leaves, wait six months to hire a new one. Yeah. Don't wait eight months. Don't wait three months. When your pastor is leaving, when that youth pastor is leaving, create a very functional, practical plan to replace him. Yeah. Because this this youth pastor was beloved in the church. He grew up in this church. He became the youth pastor of this church. And every single student absolutely adored him because he was great. And in the district, everybody loved him. It was great. That type of person leaves. Yeah. Without the seal of approval on the next guy or gal, what happens? Yeah. The students don't buy in. They don't believe in it. They don't they don't resonate with that. So having a very clear and good transition plan, I think is essential, yeah. especially in a youth group. Yeah, because I had a youth group where pastor left, we had a new pastor, and I was I was younger to really take it understand what that meant. Yeah. Then I had a pastor leave which wasn't really, I don't think like, oh, it's happening right now. I mean, there's a difference when pastors are like, I'm, I'm out in two weeks. Bye. Right. And then there's more grace for that. But when you have a longer amount of time, there was a one week period where we didn't know who the pastor was. Yeah. And then he hopped in. And so that transition wasn't like too challenging, yeah. but we could definitely feel like this sense of, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Right. How's our youth group going to go? Are we going to fall apart? Yes. Like, Because we were kind of trending that direction in some areas or- People weren't going because of X, Y, or Z. And now this transition happened. Are we going to come back? Right. And luckily we had a group of guys that were like, we don't care what the pastor is. We're here for the word or whatever. Yeah. And so that really helped push that culture and the atmosphere. But I could definitely, yeah, that's that's good insight. Like yeah. creating a, a, a system. Yeah. And there's a friend of mine. She uh, experienced probably the most dysfunctional church I've ever heard of in my entire life. Wow. That's a bold statement. Uh, it's a bold statement, but it's true. So this is a church of like 800 people. And it, for several years, probably including to this day, there's one full-time staff pastor and he's what? the lead pastor. One what? pastor, there's staff, there's volunteers, there's all this, that, and the other. One full-time pastor to do it all. So at the time she was in youth group, she had a beloved youth pastor. Mm. Right. She had a, a pastor who was the youth group was growing. They were on fire. They, they were able to sustain without this youth pastor if he wasn't there. One thing led to another. This youth pastor left. He's gone out of the situation. They take eight to 10 months to replace this pastor. What? Eight to 10 months. They had no plan and no priority to replace this pastor. So this youth group is hobbling along. No way. Trying to figure out. How can we survive and keep going? And according to my friend, the youth group never rebounded. It never got fully back on its feet. And part of the reason was because of tragedy that struck the youth group. But a big part of it, it was leaderless. Yeah. And the youth pastor that did end up coming in short-lived and didn't resonate and connect with the students. Right. And partly it was because the transition plan was 
so dysfunctional. Yeah, it seems like if if animals don't have a leader, they're like if there's no alpha. Yeah, if sheep are just going wherever the heck they want to go with no shepherd, Shepherd. what do you think is going to happen? Right. People all of a sudden there there is no like herd, and yeah, that. And maybe for a time, these sheep will find their way to they'll muscle memory their way through, and and but eventually they're going to start to wander. Eventually, they're going to start to break away from the pack, and eventually, there's going to be no herd left. And then, if the shepherd does come, where are they? You know right. what I mean? You have and they to won't go, know his voice. You have to go refine them. Yeah. They, they, the, the, speaking of God, we can hit or miss his voice. We will know it or we don't know it. But when a new pastor comes in, steps into an arena, his voice is completely unknown. He's mm. a complete stranger. What do we do? We bark at the front door when the stranger comes and we say, Who are you? What are you doing? What are you going to do? Yeah. Right. There needs to be a good transition plan. Yeah. That's good. When a dog sees a new person come to your house, if you don't invite that stranger in and you don't acknowledge that stranger as a friend, what's the dog going to do? The dog's still going to bark and the dog's still going to wonder, are you here to harm? Are you here to be good? But if you invite somebody into your home and say, Hey bub, this is so, and this is Noah. Yeah. He may look threatening, (laughs) but He's good and your dog warms up. Right. It still takes a period, but eventually that friend could come over mm. and that dog knows who it is and is happy to see them. That's good. So without a transition plan in place, and like you said, some people leave and give right. their two weeks and that's it and you can't do that. But maybe we establish a church culture where those kind of long-term mm. decisions can be prioritized and say, hey, if you want to leave, please, let's work together. Yeah. Because we're... We're not going to penalize you for exploring other places, but just help us out in the meantime. Yeah. And one, one last thing before I ask a very, very important question. Yeah. But I think there's also value in if your pastor does everything, mm. everything, yeah. when it comes to youth group, setting it up, tearing it down, yes. doing the game, doing the announce, everything. And that pastor leaves. I mean, what do you think? The Amen. whole sustainability of yes. a youth group is yes. around that pastor. Yes. Anyways, with that being said, there's already been so much advice, yes. right? But what advice would you give to your younger self yeah. before going into ministry? Yeah. Specifically about the story um, that I told at the beginning. I want to stress this. I believe it's something the church the church as a whole lacks in teaching. I believe it's something that even classes I took lack in emphasizing. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Don't call it academia. <laughs> <clears throat> it's gonna be it's just simple. Yeah. It's prayer. Uh I know. Wow. Shocking. Step Profound. zero. <laughs> Boom. Prayer. It's it's something we oftentimes just don't emphasize and make important enough. As a church, as a staff, as leadership, as individual people, we don't pray. We don't focus on prayer. And so if, if I rewind back and I if I knew in advance the advice that that pastor was going to give, and of course it was just a reminder— Right. I knew I needed to pray for my students. I knew I needed to pray that God would transform their hearts. But I need to take all of me, all of my human frustrations and emotions, set them at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, the honest truth is you love them more than I do. Mm. You want to see their growth more than I do. You want to see them thrive in you way more than I do. And if I surrender to that and just ask God to move in powerful and crazy ways, mm. he will according to his will, but prayer in every aspect. Pray, pray, pray. Pray, pray, pray. Before giant movements of God, it is bathed in prayer. 
the Billy Graham Crusades, we know they're these giant, massive events. A whole bunch of people can point back to that and say, I got saved at a Billy Graham Crusade. And it was just this amazing movement of God. What was the before of that? People would go a year before those crusades even were a thing to pray mm. in that city that God would move powerfully. One year before these crusades, before a giant movement of God, these cities were bathed in prayer mm. and every aspect of ministry, every subsection, every higher piece of the hierarchy has to be in prayer. Senior pastor has to lead by example in prayer. There are countless stories of pastors I know that get up at six in the morning. Yeah. They go over to their church building and pray physically over the congregation, over the church, over everything that's going on, and no one sees it. And that's that's a big thing with young pastors. They'll see the ministry and they jump in. They're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is exciting. But it's so much of that behind-the-scenes mm. work that has to be done. Every movement of God is preceded yeah. by prayer. And I'd say that's also afterwards there's prayer. Oh, amen. Like you have that mountaintop experience, but if you don't pray afterwards and think after what he did, yeah. then you're treating it like a genie. Right. You're treating it like, hey, thanks God. I'll take my receipt and I'll go to the next yes. thing. But like, I, I realized so, someone had said something at church camp. They said, how much you pray mm. reflects how much you love God. Mm. And that hurt. Because I was like, bro, I can read Ooh. the scriptures. I can go to church but I don't pray. That's so good. And I was like, Oh Lord have mercy. Like I just got convicted. Like it was, that's so good. I, I think there's a bookmark on my, somewhere in my room yeah. that says that. And it's stuck. Clearly it's been five, six years. Yeah. And it's stuck. It's so good. Because if I don't pray, mm -hmm. then how am I supposed to shepherd this spiritually, this flock? Amen. With, if I don't even have a relationship with Jesus, it's yes. close or even knowing where he's leading. Yes. Because I can lead in the wrong direction yes. and it'd be spiritual movements. Yeah. Like you can be spiritually formed positively yeah. and negatively. Yeah. If you interview every solid pastor, every single one, and say, what is the one piece of advice you have for me as a, as a person studying ministry? What is the one piece of advice you have? And all of them, and this is my experience. I've interviewed a lot of pastors with this same question. They'll all say that personal time with God is the most crucial thing to keep. Yeah. And that includes prayer because prayer is not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. Yeah. It's about talking to God. It's about laying everything before the Lord, but it's also about hearing his voice and yeah. listening to him. I could go on and on and on yep. about prayer. So could we. But I will say the Deep Grace podcast, oh. which is another called Collective Podcast, will soon be going deep into the subject of prayer. And mm. I'm very excited for it. But That's just exciting. had to... Just had to throw a, little, a shameless, a shameless plug. plug, but yeah. Tyler, thank you for, for that. Mm. What, how would you put that in a sentence? A little, little slogan, if you would. So, uh, a, a professor here at Indiana Wesleyan, his famous quote that everybody knows and attributes to him saying it is Christ is the center and the center always holds mm. prayer is the bread and butter. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally leaving it in that end. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I like that though. Yeah. Pray. If, if Jesus is the center, mm -hmm. and the center always holds, how are we supposed to talk to him without prayer? That's right. So prayer is the means sometimes that, that, that we're made aware of that. Sure. The prayer is the bread. You always have bread and butter before you eat dinner at some fancy restaurant, right? And it prepares the way for the entree. Mm. 
Prayer is the bread mm. and butter. <laughs> I I definitely pulled that one out of nowhere. And if you want to hear more of people pulling things out of nowhere, please go listen to the Modern Parables absolutely, podcast. Absolutely. Where we make fools about ourselves all the time. Yes, we make so many mistakes. But so. Tyler, thank you for bringing in wisdom, mm. for experience, for stories. And who knows, maybe we'll have some more of the one and only Tyler Sanders on this podcast. Maybe. So Thanks stay, for having me. Stay tuned, guys. Thank you so much. And we'll catch you on the Flippity Flop. I would also like to take a second to thank the School of Theology Ministry at Indiana Wesleyan University for using their facilities. I also want to thank the Called Collective for producing all of our podcasts. The Called Collective seeks to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. To find out more information, visit thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at thecalledcollective. Once again, thank you for taking the time to hear the good, bad and funny stories in the church. See you guys next week.